I am aware. I am a humble man. That you feel you don't belong. I won't say you should follow me. You are welcome. You are loved. Join us. And we shall reach the promised plane. I'm not boastful. And my chorus is more soulful. One of joy. We can see. One lacking pain. What you we are. Doing. The cult of what us. Seems to one of us. One of us. of us one of us welcome ladies and gentlemen to the cult of odd i am your friendly neighborhood cult leader odd and tonight's show is a mystery show um i it was pitched as i didn't know what the uh topic was going to be but uh i am here to tell you that that was a bit of a ruse and uh i knew the whole time um but it is a show involving a mystery so we're not too far out of the realm of what I said. I do want to say something, though, before um, we get started tonight. Um, look, I get it. You listen to Andrew Tate. You idolize Joe Rogan. You've got a monthly subscription to powdered bull semen coming to your door to mix into your protein shake every hour. You're afraid of vaginas. They scare you. I understand. However, that doesn't mean you need to shit on everything that happens to be female-led. I'm talking about the Marvels here. All right? So I had the opportunity to watch the Marvels last night. And I am here to tell you that I am no necessarily—I can't really say that. I am a bit of a Marvel fanboy. But I will admit that they have had some flops. Uh, quite a few of them. Uh, of course, they are a uh, company now that is spanning, what, 20-some years of movies and counting. So, you know, cut them some slack. They're bound to have a few duds. Um, exter uh, Eternals. Um, but The Marvels is not one of them. It was a fun movie. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed the laugh. I la the laughs, the music that they chose, uh, the story that they told. I still think Brie Larson it has about as much personality as a plank of wood, um, but that doesn't mean that uh, the other actors involved weren't uh, weren't just as uh, uh, good to compensate. Um, so, anyways, uh, if you're seeing the, the the news and the the critic reviews and stuff about the Marvels, and you're like, I don't know, I don't listen. It's a fun movie. It's a, It almost felt like one of those summer popcorn movies, you know, where you just go to turn your brain off and have a good time. If you do that, you're fine. Like, they're, they're telling a story. They're setting stuff up for later on in the, the, the phases. Just go enjoy it. But I'm, I'm really getting sick of everything that ends up being female-led now. 
being shit on by the dude bros. You know, just because they think every protagonist should be male. Like, I get it. The first Avengers um, was predominantly male-led. But you do understand, given the time period that all that started, which was 2008, those men that they chose had the star power. And, and not only did they have the star power, which isn't to say that the women actresses wouldn't have had the star, star power either, but the characters that they chose to begin the MCU with were characters that were beloved, they were highest selling characters, you know, there there weren't a lot of female characters that you could make people care about that fast. Typically female superheroes have a bit of a tragic backstory that takes time to build or a complicated let me say that a complicated backstory that takes time to build. Because a lot of the times, uh, after years went on, the the, the female heroes, uh, their stories got put in the hands of people that actually cared about telling a compelling story. That being said, everyone deserves representation. And with the the Marvels, they're ticking off a lot of boxes with it. And it's not some woke agenda. It's just the understanding that people have now that, you know, not every little kid looks up at a, a, a gleaming white superhero is like, that's me, you know? And little, little black kids, little Indian kids, little Hispanic kids, uh, kids of all, nationalities deserve to have someone that they can identify with and it's not just kids people people of all nationalities all genders all sexes deserve to have characters within media that is supposed to be consumed by everyone that represent them Go see the Marvels. It's a fun movie. Shut the fuck up about the women-led shit. I'm tired of it. I get it. You're scared. You're frightened. Vaginas are confusing. It's fine. Their movies aren't for you. Don't go see them. That being said, um, I want to thank everyone that listened to uh, the last episode. Uh, for, uh, as of this morning, 404 downloads. Uh, that's insane. Thank you. Uh, we had hit almost 300 in the, the first week. And everyone that's listening to the back catalog, like, I'm guessing what's happening is is you have just recently found me. And you're going back and listening to different stuff because I'm watching my, my download numbers. I have a counter that resets, resets to zero every month. And I'm watching my numbers jump to, like, 2,500 within the first week of... Uh, you know, uh, of the month. So thank you. I am, I am forever humbled. I am, I am so glad that I have been able to build a larger flock. Tonight's episode, as I stated, has a bit of a mystery to it. Now I'm sure like I had said in the beginning, everybody thought, you know, it was mystery. You know, Odd doesn't know what's going on tonight. It's just a show that's been handed to him. Well, that's that's kind of what happened. Um, Odd has been working 
Odd has been coding, and Odd has just been a, a general recluse for the most part from everything and everyone in his life. So uh, with not having enough time to prepare and being in my own head, it, it was a godsend that uh, my wife, Sim of the Dead, stepped in, and she's like, I've got a story. I've got something for you. And she put together this episode. So if you like it, congratulate her. And if you don't like it, blame her. <laughs> uh, our a normal researcher, Matt, is still on hiatus at the moment um, due to you know life and, and new job and trying to get everything situated. Matt will also be rejoining the fold here, uh, I believe, soon. Eh, Skelly, I'm going to blame her either way. Hey... Is that not? It is not. Hold on. I see an issue that I did not catch before. Uh, give me a second, ladies and gentlemen, because that big box there should be uh, should be showing chat chat in it, and it is not. I've just noticed. That is a problem. And, you know, the fucked up thing is, too, is I went through and made sure all of the sounds and everything worked and all of the, the this and that. And, you know, I I thought I had everything ready and, and ready to go. And everything looked like it was working. Uh, why is this taking me so long? Oh, yeah, because I'm trying to do it live instead of having, you know, been smart enough to... Uh, no. All my shit breaks when I don't want it to break. You know how frustrating that is? So, um... I hope everyone has had a good week. Uh, I do want to take a bit of a, a somber moment and uh, send condolences to uh, Mr. Brown and his his family at this time because uh, they have had a death in the family. Uh, our uh, hearts and minds and you know good vibes are going out to him and his and uh, we hope that everyone is going to be okay actually I know how I have to do this hold on I gotta do this and then I've got to do this Uh, do me a favor, somebody put something in the chat real quick. There we go. All right. I got it fixed. All right. So... Tonight's episode is uh, definitely 
a mystery. As in, we still don't have all the answers. Give a shout out to everyone that I see in the chat right now. Uh, Sim of the Dead, my, that's my lovely wife. Skelly the Bassist and Sailor Rob. Which, by the way, if you like coffee, I highly recommend you follow that link to oldmillcoffee.com and uh, buy as much of it as you can. The, the man makes fantastic coffee. Absolutely. It's right here in Michigan. Also, too, while I'm thinking of it, if you'd like to support the cult, there are many ways to do it. Um, there's our merch, there's our PayPal, or you can just subscribe to us here on uh, Twitch. Um, subscription, you can use your uh, Amazon Prime. It's uh, free if you're a Prime member. Otherwise, it's $4.99 a month, and it just it helps us. So either you can donate, you can buy merch, or you can subscribe. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did just run out of his coffee. Um, all right. So, as I stated, tonight's episode does involve a mystery. We are we're getting ready, and I will tell you more about this after at the end of the episode we we are getting ready to start a new thing this is kind of tying both those worlds together to get you ready for it the cecil hotel is an affordable housing complex in downtown los angeles it opened on december 20th 1924 as a budget hotel in 2011, the hotel was renamed the Stay On Main. The 14-floor motel has 700 guest rooms. The hotel has a checkered history with many suicides and deaths occurring there. Renovations started in 2017, but were halted by COVID, resulting in the hotel's temporary closure. On December 13, 2021, the Cecil Hotel was re-inaugurated re as an affordable housing complex. In 1931, a guest, W.K. Norton, died in his room after taking poison capsules. Throughout the 1940s and 50s, more suicides at the Cecil occurred. In 2008, two longtime residents referred to the Cecil as the suicide. It became a popular nickname in social media years later. The Cecil became a notorious rendezvous spot for adulterous couples, drug activity, and a common ground for prostitutes. In 1964, a retired telephone operator named Pigeon Goldie Osgood, who had been a well-known and well-liked long-term resident at the hotel, was found dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, beaten, and her room ransacked. Jacques B. Ellinger was charged with Osgood's murder because he was seen covered in blood roaming the streets close to the hotel. He was later cleared as a suspect, and her murder remains unsolved.
in the 1980s. The hotel was the temporary residence of serial killer Richard Ramirez, whom most of you may know as the Night Stalker. Ramirez was a regular presence on the Skid Row area of Los Angeles, and according to the hotel clerk who claims to have spoken to him, Ramirez engaged in most of, if not all of, his killing spree while staying there. He reportedly stripped off his bloody clothes in the alley outside the building before climbing the interior stairs to his residence in his blood-stained underwear. That takes some balls, man, right? Like, how you, how, how are you going to explain that? You're just a dude walking the halls with your blood bloody underwear on? What are you going to tell him? Uh, uh, bad Taco Bell? It's 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 sauce. I I was making a pot of ragu, and I spilled it all over myself. Well, why were you cooking in your underwear? Never you mind. Anyways, on August thirtieth, nineteen eighty five, a group of Los Angeles residents spotted him in the streets and prevented him from escaping until police. Sorry, until police arrived to arrest him. In 1989, Ramirez was... <laughs> it does. I tried to cut my own penis. Ah! Uh, in 1989, Ramirez was convicted of 13 murders and sentenced to death. Although he would ultimately die of cancer in 2013. Another serial killer, Austri Austrian Jack Untervaga... Untavaga. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. It's probably close. I, I know my American brain saw it and went, Unterwerger. Unterwerger. Uh, anyways, Jack Untavager stayed at the Cecil in 1991, possibly because he sought to copy Ramirez's crimes. While there, he strangled and killed at least three prostitutes. Uh, crimes he was convicted of in Austria. Uh, so, we've given you the history about where we're talking about. And for those of you that uh, are in the know, that enjoy true crime, that enjoy a bit of the paranormal mixed in with it, you know that I'm about to get into the Alicia Lamb case. Now, this was all over the internet a, a few years ago, eh, several years ago at this point. Every time is relative, okay? The older I get, the less I know what day it is or what day it was. <laughs> but footage of it was all over the internet there for a while. And we're going to show you the video in a little bit. Elisa, sorry. I, I, my, my mouth has uh, uh, stigmatism, and sometimes it slurs words. Uh, I got drunk mouth. Sorry. Uh, I am not drunk, by the way, just so you know. I just read it wrong and pronounced it wrong. Uh, Elisa Lam, the daughter of immigrants from Hong Kong, was a student at the University of British Columbia. Although she was not registered at the beginning of 2013, in mid-2010, Lamb began a blog named Ether Fields, or Ether Fields? 
I think it's Ether, Ether Fields, on Blogspot. Over the next two years, she posted pictures of models in fashionable clothing and accounts of her life, particularly her struggle with mental illness. In a January 2012 blog post, Lamb lamented that a relapse at the start of the current school term had forced her to drop several classes. leaving her feelings so utterly directionless and lost. She titled her post, You're always haunted by the idea you're wasting your life. After a quotation from novelist Chuck uh, Palahniuk, she used that quote as the epigraph for her blog. Lamb worried that her transcript would look suspicious with so many withdrawals and that it would result in her being unable to continue her studies and attend graduate school. And that's a big thing. Like, I've known several college students over the years, right? Like, growing up, uh, friends of mine went off to college, and, you know, as you get older, you, you find people who have gone back to college or, or whatnot. And... Being the immigrant, uh, the daughter of immigrants from Hong Kong, like education, like you, you don't, you don't take breaks, right? Like it's, it's almost dishonorable. Well, actually it is dishonorable. Like you, you, you school, you school, you, you become something successful and you know, you worry about everything else later. Hey, what good? A little over two years after Lamb had started blogging, she announced she would be abandoning her blog for another she had started on Tumblr, Nouvelle Nouveau. Its content mostly consisted of fashion photos, quotes, and a few posts in Lamb's own, word, Lamb's own words. Although the same Hellenic quote was used as the epigraph. And for those of you interested, her blog is still up on Tumblr. Lamb had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression. She had been prescribed several medications for her mental health issues. Uh, Wellbutrin, Lamictigrin, uh, Quetiapin, Dexedrine, uh, Spansel, and Venlofaxin. Why do they make these drug names so hard to say, right? Like, you have to eventually tell somebody what you're taking. You know, I, I know... I know America would come up with some really dumb names if we really let them. But, like, some of these drug names are just impossible to pronounce without sounding like you're having a stroke. I do it for a daily on a daily basis with my regular job, and I fail... 90% of the time. So if I mispronounce a, a medication tonight, it is because they're just impossible to pronounce sometimes. According to her family, who reportedly kept her mental illness private, Lamb had no history of suicidal ideations or attempts, although one report claims she had previously gone missing for a brief period. Lamb had a history of not taking her bipolar medication, and as a result, 
on several occasions suffered hallucinations that would cause her to hide under her bed. Uh, she was hospitalized at least once for one of these episodes. And we hear that a lot, don't we? We, we hear... We hear a lot that people don't take their depression meds or don't take their anxiety meds or don't take their bipolar meds or whatever medications that they have. Um, and then, you know, people will throw their hands up like, well, they stopped taking their medication. What did they expect? You do realize that those medications have some pretty terrible fucking side effects. Never mind the weight gain or, you know, the not wanting not feeling like yourself one of the big ones that gets a lot of people to stop taking their meds is the simple fact that they can't come anymore on those meds and i'm sure there's a more delicate way to say it but that's basically what it comes down to they can't get off like those medications just kill every sense of pleasure that they might get. There's no drive to even have sex, and if sex is presented at them, there's no way for them to enjoy it. So I understand why people would stop taking their meds. You know, aside from the whole libido thing, you don't, always feel like yourself right like especially if you're on new medications and, and whatnot um i in the past have been on medications and they were the wrong ones and the only way i've ever been able to describe it is, is it was like i was looking at myself through a window watching everything happen but not not having any real control, not really having any experience from it. It, it was very uh, disconnected feeling. And I hated that. So I, I get it. I get why people will sometimes stop taking their meds. It's not always good for them, of course. Um, but I, I do understand the desire to feel something again medication interactions the list of drugs that she was on and we're gonna list them off again and you're gonna get the uh the interactions uh well butrin among others is an atypical antidepressant primarily used to treat major depressive disorder most common adverse effects of bupropion with the greatest difference from placebo are dry mouth, nausea, constipation, insomnia, anxiety, tremor, and excessive sweating. Rare but serious side effects often include seizure, liver toxicity, psychosis, and a risk of overdose. And this makes me think, just listen to that. It is an antidepressant. But it can also leave you nauseous, constipated, not able to sleep, anxious, sweaty. Not only can that, but it could also possibly be toxic to you and cause worse psychological issues. Robbing Peter to pay Paul there. Uh, Lamictogrin, or Lamictrogen, 
sold under the brand name Lamictal, uh, is a medication used to treat epilepsy and stabilize mood in bipolar disorder. For epilepsy, this includes focal seizures, uh, tonic clonic uh, seizures, and seizures in the Lennox Gastaut syndrome. And bipolar disorder, it has not been shown to reliably treat acute depression. But for patients with bipolar disorder who are not currently symptomatic, it appears to be effective in reducing the risk of future episodes of depression. Now, seizure, okay? And then a drug to create or to combat epilepsy. When I was a child, I was put on two different types of medication. One of them was Ritalin. The other medication I was put on was the exact opposite of Ritalin. So at one point in my life, while I was a child, I was on an upper and a downer at the exact same time. And my parents and the school wondered why I swung like a well-oiled gate. My mood would change like that. So they thought what it was is I was having seizures because when it changed from happy to not happy, I would black out and I wouldn't remember anything that happened. They thought I was having seizures. So they put me on an anti-seizure medicine, which just made everything worse. Remember, with doctors, it's called a practice for a reason. Because apparently, eventually, it makes perfect. Common side effects for from Lamictal uh, include nausea, sleepiness, headache, vomit, uh, vomiting, trouble with coordination, and rash. Serious side effects include excessive breakdown of red blood cells, increased risk of suicide, severe skin reaction, and allergic reactions, which can be fatal. And I hope you are all playing, paying at home, or paying attention at home and playing along and, and catching the side effects on how these things work with each other. Uh, Quetiapin is sold under the brand name of Seroquel, among others. It is a atypical antipsychotic medication used for the treatment of schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, despite being widely used as a sleep aid due to its sedating effects, the benefits of such use do not appear to generally outweigh the side effects. It is taken orally. Common side effects include sleepiness, constipation, weight gain, and dry mouth. Other side effects include low blood pressure, uh, withstanding, seizures, a prolonged erection, high blood sugar, uh, tardive uh, dyskinesia, uh, and neuroleptic malignant syndrome, suicide attempt, suicide, death, QTC, uh, prolongation, low blood pressure, tachycardia, sedation, gynomastic, uh, 
gynecomastia, uh, menstrual irregularity, and white blood cell count at a rate similar to first-generation antipsychotics. <sighs> Dextroamphetamine. That's a potent central nervous system stimulant and <clears throat> Inant enantomer. God damn it, these should have been spelled out. Of amphetamine. It's it's basically like a, a sister to amphetamine uh, that is prescribed for the treatment of attention deficit hyperactive disorder and narcolepsy. At normal therapeutic doses, the most common psychological side effects of amphetamine include increased alertness, apprehension, concentration, initiative, self-confidence, and sociability, mood swings, insomnia, or wakefulness, and decreased sense of fatigue. Less common side effects include anxiety, change in libido, grandiosity, irritability, repetitive or obsessive behaviors, and restlessness. These effects depend on the user's personality and current mental state. Amphetamine psychosis can occur in heavy users, ergo delusions and paranoia. Although very rare, this psychosis can also occur at therapeutic doses during long-term therapy. According to the US FDA, there is no systemic evidence that stimulants produce aggressive behavior or hostility. And why would the U.S. FDA think that that would be? Because surely not because they're in bed with the drug companies and, you know, just pushing whatever out they can for their kickbacks. Amphetamine psychosis uh, are the symptoms of stimulant psycho or the symptoms of stimulant psychosis vary depending on the drug ingested, but generally involve the symptoms of organic psychosis such as hallucinations, delusions, paranoia. Uh, other symptoms may include mania, erratic behavior, agitation, and or aggression. But remember, the U.S. FDA says there is no systemic evidence that stimulants produce aggressive behavior or hostility. Don't run. We are your friends. Venlafaxin, sold under the brand name Effexor, among others, is an antidepressant medication of the serotonin neuropinferin. Norepinephrine nor reuptake inhibitor. It is used to treat major depressive disorder generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and social anxiety disorder. Study have shown, uh, studies have shown that uh, effects are among its, its like medication do, Im do improve the quality of life. It may also be used for chronic pain. It is taken by mouth. It is also available as uh, the salt uh, venaphylaxin uh, bacillate in an extended-release formulation. 
Common side effects include loss of appetite, constipation, dry mouth, dizziness, sweating, insomnia, drowsiness, and sexual problems. Severe side effects include an increased risk of suicide, mania, and serotonin syndrome. Antidepressant withdrawal syndrome may occur if stopped. And that has always made me just mind blown. All right, so how does a drug become a drug that we can all take? Well, first, someone has to design the drug, right? Someone has to create it in a lab. Then that drug is tested on animals. Then if the animals survive the testing phase, then the, the, there is a uh, uh, application submitted, usually to the U.S. Uh, FDA, to begin trials, clinical trials in humans. At which point, there are there is the control group who are given the place, a placebo, and there is the testing group who are given the actual drug. That sample group, the data is usually back and forth. They find out what, uh, how you feel with it, what side effects and symptoms there are. And then the US FDA looks at it and says, okay, this drug is supposed to give people, make people happier, right? Right, okay. But it caused prolonged erection. Well, I know I've been happy almost every time I've had an erection. Maybe that's not so bad. Oh, look here. It causes drowsiness. Sometimes I have problems falling asleep. That's pretty good. That's not a bad side effect. It makes people crazy. Eh, I'm sure they're just over-exaggerating. What else you got? You got any constipation or diarrhea? Oh, oh dry mouth. Dry mouth. That's okay. Yeah, ship it out. Most of the side effects that are in there should not be acceptable. Honestly, and I know this is probably a utopian idea or a fantasy world thought process, but there shouldn't be a side effect from taking the goddamn a goddamn drug. Like, you, sh you should take the drug and the medication should fix the problem that you're taking the medication for. You shouldn't have to worry about not being able to poop or being able to poop too much. Can you imagine if they all hit you at the same time, you're drowsy, you're, you've got diarrhea, and you're anxious about it, and now you're sweating? Oh. It just takes me back to bad nights after Taco Bell. The point is, is when it comes to these drugs, I think a little more testing should be done and a little more refinement should be done. Because I think what happens is, is the drug companies realize they're spending out all this money trying to get this drug right. And they realize that they're going to lose more than they're going to be able to gain. So they push it out the door before it's ready. I don't work in the field. I don't know the field. But based on the commercials that I see on TV, you know, the ones that talk really fast when they get to the side effects, uh, something tells me that a little more work should be done. So we ended with antidepressant 
withdrawal syndrome. And I want to explain what that is. Because it's important while talking about Elisa Lamb and the Cecil Hotel and what happened. So antidepressant withdrawal syndrome. People with antidepressant discontinuation syndrome have been on an antidepressant for at least four weeks and have recently stopped taking the medication, whether abruptly or after a fast taper or each time the medication is reduced on a slow taper. Commonly reported symptoms include flu-like symptoms, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, headaches, and sweating, and sleep disturbances, such as insomnia, nightmare, or constant sleepiness. It also describes sensory and movement disturbances, including imbalance, tremors, vertigo, dizziness, uh, an electric shock-like experience in the brain, often described by people who have them as brain zaps. These brain zaps have been described as an electrical shock felt in the skull, potentially triggered by lateral eye movement, and at times accompanied by vertigo, pain, or disassociative symptoms. Some individuals consider it as a pleasant experience akin to an orgasm. However, it is more often reported as an unpleasant experience that interferes with daily functions. Mood disturbances such as dysphoria, anxiety, or agitation are also reported, as are cognitive disturbances such as confusion and hyperarousal. In cases associated with sudden discontinuation of MAO inhibitors, acute psychosis has been observed. Over 50 symptoms have been reported. And this is true. I've seen this firsthand. So when I lived in Tucson, I worked at a hospital. It was a psych and substance hospital. I've talked about this before. Um, And what we would, our function was basically like an emergency room for those going through substance abuse withdrawals or uh, psychotic episodes that uh, could not be handled by either their caregivers or the, the, the group home staff that they, they lived within. So they would come to our hospital. Uh, they could also have been uh, um, homeless individuals that were picked up by the police. Either way, the symptoms... For people who weren't able to get their uh, uh, psych meds were literally indistinguishable from those going through withdrawal symptoms. And it was the wildest thing. I never have been a big fan of of, uh, psych meds. I, I, I just haven't. After When you're forced to take them as a kid... And feel like a zombie most of the time. You kind of don't want to deal with them when you're an adult. I do understand that they do help some individuals. And that they are often used as a bridge. When used appropriately. As a bridge to get people into a state where they can start talking about the actual issues. That are causing them to have depression, anxiety, and etc. That's not to say that I don't believe in chemical imbalances or anything like that. Um, 
I believe our lives are now unfortunately tailored in such a way due to how society is that we're not able to take care of ourselves in the ways that we should be, i.e. proper uh, sleep, proper downtime, uh, proper eating, uh, proper activity, and, and stuff like that. But I believe that the psych men should be used in tandem with actual therapy and that people need to understand that they can't just pop a pill and make everything better. There's work that needs to go in. It's just like everything in life. You have to put in the work if you want to get the right result out. And taking a pill is the easy route. And the easy route never works. But those pills can help you get to a place where you can start doing the work. I think the problem is is they people get put on these drugs and they're like, oh, they're not working. Well, let me up the dose. Oh, well, they're still not working. All right, well, let me up the dose. Oh, well, they're still not working. All right, well, let me up the dose. And we keep increasing the dose instead of asking the question of why aren't they working. And the answer usually is, is the person that's taking them wants to be alleviated from the symptoms of the, the thing of the issue without actually dealing with the issue. Uh, you, you say it all the time. You hear it a lot when talking about addicts and, and alcoholics and whatnot. It's like nobody can help them until they're ready to help themselves. And I think that's how psych meds should be looked at. Is like until you're genuinely ready to start putting in the work, you shouldn't be on them. Like you, you, there should be some some sort of way that the the psychologists that prescribe them can like determine. Okay, this person is genuinely ready to start putting in the work. We're gonna put them on a very low dose of this, and they're gonna have to put in the work to get themselves better. The problem is, is people don't have a support system. We we just heard a little while ago, uh, Alyssa's family kept the fact that she had any kind of mental illness hidden. It was a big secret. It was like not to be talked about. Like she was one of the uh Kennedy just whisked away to a private low undisclosed location. Um mental health is a serious thing that we don't take serious here in the America. I don't think many places in the world truly take it serious and I think it's because we don't understand it I think we don't fully understand what it is because so many of us are still in that mindset of we just need to get over it and that doesn't work for everything it works for some things it doesn't work for everything you know your bike getting stolen when you're when you're eight you can probably get over, but your uncle taking photos of you compromising positions is not something you can just get over. And you're going to say, oh, well, that's a stretch. It's not. 
I am going to say if you put 10 people in a room together, at least four to six of them have had an experience somewhere along the lines of what I just described. Now think of that in a global scale. And it gets worse when you get outside the U.S. Those aren't things you can just get over, right? Anyways. Uh, for her trip to California, Lamb traveled alone on Amtrak. Uh, and inner-city buses. She visited the San Diego Zoo, posted photos taken there on social media. On January 26th, she arrived in Los Angeles. After two days, she checked in to the Cecil Hotel uh, near downtown Skid Row. Lamb was initially assigned to share a, uh, to a shared room on the hotel's fifth floor, However, her roommates complained about what the hotel's lawyer would later describe as certain odd behavior. And Lamb and Cecil moved to a room, or I'm sorry, <clears throat> and Lamb was moved to a room of her own after two days. According to Amy Price, the manager of the Cecil Hotel and stay on Main at the time of Lamb's disappearance, Lamb was leaving notes for her roommates that said, go home and go away. She would lock the door to the room and require a password for entry. A few days before her disappearance, Lamb attended a live taping of Conan in Burbank, but was escorted off the premises by security due to disruptive behavior. Now, at the top of the show, I mentioned that this is going to be a, a show about mystery and that some people believe that there were paranormal experiences and others believe that, you know, she might have been kidnapped or attempted kidnapping um, or it could have just simply been she was off her meds. I want to touch on the paranormal just a little bit here. Because the paranormal thing really got going because of the video. Yeah, Demons and Ghosts got that girl. Right, Woodgood. Um, at the top of the show, we mentioned with the Cecil Hotel having the dark past that it does. If you listen to our episodes uh, about the, the, the Sherman Ranch... Um, or even before that, you heard me talk about how the land collects energy. And that energy has a way of dispersing itself again and repeating. When you see the video in a little bit, it looks very similar to certain videos that we've seen on the, the internet before of people that believe that they've had a paranormal experience. I don't believe that that's what happened here. I do believe that Elisa was scared for her life. I believe she believed she was being followed. P 
possibly that people were trying to kidnap her. Although human trafficking wasn't the big topic that it is now, it still was a present thing in our zeitgeist at that time. And I believe maybe she thought she was being followed for those reasons. You'll see what I mean here soon. Lamb contacted her parents in British Columbia daily while traveling up uh, while traveling up until the day she disappeared. On January 31st, 2013, the day she was scheduled to check out of the Cecil and leave for Santa Cruz, her parents did not hear from her which prompted them to call the Los Angeles Police Department and fly to Los Angeles to help with the search. Hotel staff who saw Lamb that day said she was alone. Outside the hotel, Katie Orphan, manager of the last bookstore, was the only person who recalled seeing her that day. She was outgoing, very lively, very friendly. Uh, she was getting gifts to take home to her family. Orphan told CNN she was talking about what books she was getting and whether or not what she was getting would be too heavy for her to carry around as she traveled. Police searched the hotel to the extent that they legally could. They searched Lamb's room and had dogs go through the building, including the rooftop, but the dogs were unsuccessful in detecting her scent. But we didn't search every room, Sergeant Rudy Lopez later said. We could only do that if we had probable cause. To believe a crime had been committed. On February 6th, a week later, or a week after Lamb had last been seen, the LAPD decided more help was needed. Flyers with her image were posted in the neighborhood and online. It brought the case to the public's attention through the media. On February 13th, after another week with no sign of Lamb, LAPD released a video of the last known sighting of her taken in one of the Cecil's elevators by a video surveillance camera on January 31st. In approximately two and a half minutes of footage, Lamb alone makes unusual moves and gestures. She appears to press every button on the elevator panel, peers into the hallway, and then leaves the elevator at one point while its doors remain open. When the doors fail to close after she returns, she leaves and the doors close later. Now, it is thought because she was a social media influencer at the time, or that she was uh, ever present on social media, that she might have been playing a game called the Elevator Game. I don't think that's the case. Watch the video. Now you can see her go into the elevator. And she appears to stand there for a few. And now she's creeping and looking and standing back. 
she seems like she's hiding from somebody. And that she sees something or someone that makes her step out. Now, maybe she is uh, unsure of whether or not the elevator is safe, and she is trying to figure that out. Those doors are staying open for an inordinately long amount of time, though. Typically, you would have seen them try to close at least once by now, right? Woodgood says she th he thinks she was playing the elevator game. And there you can see her pushing all of the buttons on the elevator. Every floor. All the way down and back up. Now she's leaving the elevator again. The only thing I can think is maybe that elevator door sensor is on the outside, too. I Like, I don't know. But she's she's making weird hand motions with her hands. Like, she's, she's talking or something. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. It started over. So Woodgood said the doors don't close, and the in the rules of the game says you're not supposed to talk to anyone during the game. But I don't think there was anybody there. I think she was having a psychotic episode. I think she may have been, you may be right, she may be, uh, have been playing the elevator game, but I think she was in the midst of a psychotic break. Little blips in and out, uh, maybe even regression to a childlike state. Somewhere where she felt more comfortable. She was under a huge amount of pressure because of, you know, school. And I'm sure all the, the pressure from home life and the drugs didn't help. And if she stopped taking them for a little bit, it could have definitely sent her over the edge. The video drew worldwide attention. Woodgood said, uh, if you see something in the game, you're not meant to engage anything. I don't understand the point of this game, but okay. The video drew worldwide interest in the case due to Lamb's strange behavior and has been extensively analyzed and discussed. It was reported wildly or widely, including on the Chinese video sharing site, uh, Yuku, where it got 3 million views and 40,000 comments in its first 10 days. Many of the commenters found it unsettling to watch. And it is. It is very creepy to watch. Several theories emerged to explain her actions. One was that Lam was trying to get the elevator car to move in order to escape from someone who was pursuing her. Others suggested that she might be under the influence of ecstasy or some other party drug, 
but none was detected in her body. When her bipolar disorder became known, the theory that she was having a psychotic episode also emerged. Other viewers argued that the video had been tampered with before being made public. Besides the uh, obscuring of the timestamp, they claimed parts had been slowed down and nearly a minute of footage had been removed. This could have been done to protect the identity of someone who otherwise would be in the video, either related or not to the disappearance. So during the search for Lamb, guests at the hotel began complaining about low water pressure. Some later claimed their, the water was colored black and had an unusual taste. On the morning of February 19th, Santiago Lopez, a hotel ma maintenance worker, found Lamb's body in one of the 4,000-gallon tanks located on the roof, providing water to uh, guest rooms, a kitchen, and a coffee shop. Through the open hatch, he saw Lamb laying face up in the water. The tank was drained and cut open since its maintenance hatch was too small to accommodate equipment needed to remove Lamb's body. In court documents, Santiago Lopez said he had begun working at the Cecil Hotel in 2010 as a maintenance employee. City News Service reports... He said that he only knew who Elisa Lamb was because police had begun searching for her after her family reported her missing, and that he aided officers by opening the doors of various rooms in the hotel as they conducted their investigation. He was also the one who would eventually find Lamb's body in one of the 4,000-gallon water tanks on the hotel's roof. Uh, Lopez said he took the elevator to the 15th floor and then took a staircase up to the roof. He had to first turn off the rooftop alarm, then had to climb up onto the platform where the four tanks sat. Then he had to climb another ladder to get to the top of the main tank. I noticed the hatch to the main water tank was open and looked inside and saw an Asian woman lying face up in the water approximately 12 inches from the top of the tank, he said. Police had checked the roof during their investigation, but did not think to look in the tanks. Lopez said that he didn't notice anything wrong with the alarm on the door of the roof that day, nor had he heard it go off at any point during Lamb's stay. He said that to the best of his knowledge, no other hotel guests have ever been able to access the water tanks. Pedro Tovar, the Cecil's chief engineer, noted that there were four ways to get onto the roof. Three fire escapes, which you can get to via interior doors and one staircase from the 14th floor. An alarm will sound if someone attempts to open the door to the roof and it is not deactivated first something that typically only hotel employees would be able to do. If the alarm sounds, it's audible to the front desk as well as the 14th and 15th floors. Assuming one could get onto the roof undetected, Tovar said that you would first have to climb up the platform the tank sits on, then squeeze in between them and other plumbing equipment. There you'd find another ladder, which you could use to climb onto one of the four cisterns 
Each has a heavy metal lid, which you need to be able to open before you can get inside. On February 21st, the Los Angeles coroner's office issued a finding of accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. The full coroner's report, released in June, stated that Lamb's body had been found naked. Clothing similar to what she was wearing in the elevator video were found floating in the water, coated with a sand-like particulate. Her watch and room key were also found with her. Lamb's body was moderately decomposed and bloated. It was mostly greenish with some marbling evident of the abdomen and skin separation. Uh, there was no evidence of physical trauma, sexual trauma, or suicide. Toxicology tests showed traces consistent with prescription medication found among her belongings, plus non-prescription drugs as Sinitab uh, and and ibuprofen a very small quantity of alcohol about 0.02 percent was present but no other recreational drugs investigators and experts have however noted that the concentration of her prescription drugs in her system indicated that she was under medicating or had stopped taking her medications recently and we have the forensic reports here and uh, it does show all of the drugs that were in her system. Uh, you see uh, uh, that alcohol was detected in her bile at the percentage that they offered, but there was no alcohol in her bloodstream. Um, all of her medications are either present or very low. And... It isn't until you get into the liver that you really see the quantity, and it's still, again, very low for someone who's supposed to be taking these medications regularly. Now, one could argue that she had been in the water so long that maybe they got a little diluted and whatnot. You know, if the skin had started to separate, then that water had definitely seeped in probably to organs, thus the bloating, um, and could very well have interrupted her, you know, actual levels however that's a bit of a stretch it isn't until you start getting into the the medical evidence that you start to realize just how bad a mix these were and the doctor prescribing them honestly should have fucking known better but again, remember, they call it a practice for a reason. We have the uh, County of Los Angeles Department Coroner Investigator's narrative. Uh, the decedent was a female Asian adult. She was nude. She was in a state of decomposition, noted with marbling, green discoloration, bloating, foul smell of skin, and separation. The decedent appeared to have mold spots on her legs and buttocks. A possible scar was noted to her right knee. A mole was seen on her right chest. There was no obvious evidence of trauma seen. Rigor mortis was resolved. Liver mortis was fixed. 
The ambient, Al Gore, and water temperatures were not taken. Uh, the scene was identified by her Canadian passport as Elisa Lamb. Uh, of course, their uh, next of kin notifications and, and whatnot. Uh, tissue donation was not addressed, of course, because, you know, time lapse of death. Um, it is... It is interesting to think about when they describe what it takes to get up there, right? It, it's not an easy task to, to get into the water tank, let alone get to the water tanks. Right? Woodgood said she must work at the C work for the CIA to pull off all that stuff just to get to the roof. But okay, so say she didn't use the door. Say she used the fire escapes. Why? Why would you do that? There's no logical reason, and it's easy to just say, okay, she was having a psychotic episode because she was off her meds, and which unfortunately may very well be the case. It may be the the very tragic story for this equally tragic incident. What I find interesting and I'd be curious to know see, once water is involved time of death gets a little hinky. And I, I wonder if the level of decomposition that was present was consistent with the amount of time she had been missing for a body to be in water. Because they took the dogs up there. And unless she had been weighted right at the bottom why wouldn't they have picked up any scent like it was just water it wasn't like it was soap or anything like that so like her scent shouldn't have been obscured right the dog should have been able to pick up something and maybe they did Maybe they alerted in a way that the cops didn't understand or hadn't seen before or whatnot, or just kind of thought it was a misfire. But I find it very strange that she was able to get to where she got on her own. But having, again, like I said, worked in psych and substance hospitals i've worked in group homes i've worked with those that are uh severely disabled due to uh mental and physical handicaps they will surprise you they will get to places and get into things that you never thought possible so i would imagine if Elisa was off her medications and she was having a psychotic episode 
that it is entirely possible that she would have been able to do what most of us would figure would be impossible. The investigation had determined how Lamb died, but did not initially offer an explanation as to how she got into the tank in the first place. Doors and stairs that access the hotel's roof are locked, with only staff having the passcodes and keys, and any attempt to force them open would supposedly have triggered an alarm. The hotel's fire escape could have allowed her to bypass those security measures. Her scent trail was lost near a window that connected to it. A video posted to the internet after Lamb's death showed that the hotel's roof was easily accessible via the fire escape and that two of the lids of the water tanks were already open. Which makes sense. Maybe they use them, maybe they open them to catch rainwater and then there's a filtration system. It's a cheap way to refill them without having to, you know, get a crane or anything. I don't know. Apart from the question of how she got on the roof, others asked if she could have gotten into the tank by herself. All four tanks were four by eight feet cylinders propped up on concrete blocks. There were no, there was no fixed access to them, and hotel workers had to use a ladder to look at the water. They were protected by heavy lids that would be difficult to replace from within. The hotel employee who found the body said the lid was open at the time. Removing the issue of how she could have closed the lid from the inside. Police dogs that searched through the hotel for Lamb, even on the roof, shortly after her disappearance, was noted, did not find any trace of her. So, they, 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 they had a scent trace, right? They had a trace, they had a trail to that window and then nowhere else uh, I guess you could argue when she went missing there was what like a, a day a day lapse right probably before the police got there I wonder if it rained at all before they got the dogs out there if it rained before the dogs got out there then that would kind of make sense as to why there was no scent trail after that. But if it hadn't, right, she climbed out the window, climbed up the fire escape, there would have been a scent trace on the fire escape, there should have been a scent trace on the top of the roof, all the way up to the tanks. So the dog should have picked up on that. Proponents of the theory that the elevator show, uh, elevator video shows she was under the influence of illicit drugs are not dissuaded by their absence from her toxicology screenings, suggesting that they may have broken down during the period of time her body decomposed in the tank, or that she may have taken, a, a, taken rare cocktails of such drugs that, are, that a normal screen would not detect. The very low level of her prescription drugs in her system and the number of pills left in her prescription bottle suggested she was under-medicating and or, or, or had recently stopped taking her medication for bipolar disorder, which may have led to a psychotic episode. The autopsy report and its conclusions were also questioned based on the incomplete information. For instance, it does not say whether the result of the rape kit or fingernail kit <coughs> were 
were or even if they were processed. It, it also records subcutaneous pooling of blood in Lamb's anal area, which some observers suggested was a sign of sexual abuse. One pathologist noted it could have resulted from bloating in the course of the body's decon decomposition, and her rectum was also prolapsed. The coroner's pathologists were ambivalent about their conclusions that Lamb's death was accidental. After her death, her Tumblr blog was updated, presumably through Tumblr's Q option that allows posts to automatically publish themselves when the user is away. Her phone was not found either, with her body or in her hotel room. Whether the continued updates to her blog were facilitated by the theft of her phone, the work of a hacker, or through the queue is not known, nor is it known whether the updates are related to her death. That's weird. 2013, GPS trackers would have existed. They should have been able to get the last known ping and keep an eye on it for a little while. In September of 2013, Lamb's parents filed a wrongful death suit claiming the hotel failed to inspect and seek outside hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to Lamb and or other hotel guests, seeking unspecified damages and burial costs. The hotel argued it could not have reasonably foreseen that Lamb might have entered the water tanks and since it remained unknown how Lamb got to the water tank, no liability could be assigned for failing to prevent it. In 2015, the suit was dismissed. Now, I feel... I feel like... There's more at play here than the information we were given. And what I mean by that and what I mean by that is I feel like some things may have been omitted. Right? Like we didn't get the whole truth. We got most of the truth. We got enough of the truth to, to put some sort of answer on it. But I feel like certain things have definitely been omitted. Because it, the answer that they gave feels a little too put together. I don't, I don't know a better way to say it. It feels like somebody was like, well, that's that. You know, all sewn up here, on to the next. I remember this case. I remember seeing the video. I, I, like, I remember seeing the video when they posted it, and it, it was, you know, what what actually happened. And a lot of the speculation at the time dealt with the paranormal because of the Cecil's past. And 
that people think that the ghosts of the Cecil got her. That maybe the spirit of uh, the Night Stalker or his copycat still lurked the halls and was getting uh, uh, another another tick in the score column. And if I remember correctly, too, there there was there was a big push for like paranormal content and stuff at that time as well. So like everything was leading that way. Everything leaned like she was scared of something. She saw something that nobody else could see. And like, it wasn't until much later that the information about her being on antipsychotics or having a, a psychotic episode, um, came to light. And of course, as as we saw in the video, like if you watch it and you know, you know what those uh, psychotic episodes ends up end up looking like. You um, you definitely see signs there of someone who isn't quite on this plane of reality. One of the interesting thoughts that I had come across, come upon while I was working at the hospital is that what if these individuals that see things or talk to entities that no one else can see, what if they're just vibrating at a different frequency? We're just electricity, right? We are a meat meat and watered filled balloon that is powered by a low current of electricity we have our own frequency all of us do what if these people that we deem schizophrenic or psychotic or whatnot what if they are just vibrating at a different frequency? They're in tune to what the rest of us could be in tune to if X, Y, and Z had happened or hadn't happened. I I had had this thought, too, because there was this one patient who would stare off at the ceiling. And he said he he would see angels, and sometimes they they would uh, they would talk dirty to him. Now you hear this, and you think that, that that he's crazy and whatnot. You know, you just write it off. But then other times, like when it was normal, when he wasn't like trying to touch himself, you hear the conversations that he's having, and in. They don't, they seem almost like the person is, is like Oscar worthy actor, right? Like it's, they're in the middle of a scene that they believe is so real. And you, you I just, I, I couldn't help but wonder if, if maybe they're operating on a different frequency than the rest of us. I've often thought for years that the over-medication over -medication of 
the children in the late 70s, early 80s, and beyond um, had a very detrimental effect on our society. Because when you go back and look through history, most of our great thinkers, most of our individuals who uh, progressed you know, industry and society the way they did, most of them would have probably been medicated today. And when we started medicating these kids without fully understanding what these, these drugs did, we ended up killing off some of our innovation. We ended up killing off some of our creativity uh, and our great thinkers. Hear me out. These drugs are meant to affect the brain to rebalance supposedly everything that's out of whack. But the drugs also have a side effect in children. A very bad one. And I'm going to use the word and I'm going to use it the right way and I don't want to hear shit about it. But these drugs retard the frontal lobe. Okay? They slow the process, progression, and growth of the frontal lobe in kids' brains. Your frontal lobe is everything that makes you a human. It's where your reasoning is. It's where your emotions are. It's where you... Everything. Everything that makes people people resides right there in that frontal lobe. Now, you've had generations upon generations of kids put on these drugs that retards the frontal lobe. Then you wonder why you have adults that are delayed development. You know, you have adults that still think like children. And then, not to mention, their bodies are still forming and growing. And just like with plants, whatever you give them they end up depending on later in life, and it, they, it ends up changing their makeup. So not only have you, you, you screwed up this batch of kids, but you've fundamentally changed their genetic structure as they were growing, and now they're reproducing. And then those kids are messed up, so they get put on drugs, that fundamentally change their their growth, that also retard their frontal lobe, and then they end up reproducing, and so on and so on and so on. As I got older and I started to understand myself and these medications that I was on, I got angrier and angrier. And when I would have conversations with my mother about it, she the only thing that she would say is, well, we didn't know. We thought that they were help. We thought we were doing the right thing. And that answer always made me so angry. Because on the one hand, yeah, She's exactly right. They thought they were doing the, the right thing. The doctors told them it was the right thing. But on the other hand, 
you basically used your child as a fucking guinea pig because you couldn't handle it. And that that feels like putting a dog down because it's too rambunctious because you live in a, an apartment. And maybe that's a bit of an extreme uh, example, but uh, that's my fucking life, man. Who knows who or what I could have been had I not been pumped full of drugs as a child. And we can play the what-if game, uh, you know, if I had turned left instead of right, I could have been a millionaire, blah, blah, blah. But, like, that, that feels like an important sticking point. You know, whether or not I turned left or right or whether or not I ate my ice cream from the left side or the right side doesn't seem to matter, you know, when it comes to what choices and what life I could have had. But the drugs that they put me on as a child. You know, it's a fucking miracle that I didn't turn into a drug addict. These are my, this is my drug. This is my other drug. And I smoke pot. But that's usually just to shut this fucking brain up so I can be at peace. So maybe it is entirely possible that these drugs had a severe interaction with an Elisa Lamb. And that maybe she noticed the interaction and decided to stop taking them. Because that's everyone's first instinct, right? If the medication's making me sick, stop taking it. Good night, Skelly. You don't stop to think that, oh shit, I've been on these for a little bit. Maybe I should try to taper myself off. Maybe I'll skip a dose. You know, maybe I'll take half of a dose. Everybody's just like, no, I need this out of my life immediately. Boom. That's because they don't even understand that the drugs, the drugs they're being put on. When you get the prescription, they, they, they say, okay, the, the instructions and the side effects are in the bag. You know, have a good day. Nobody reads the instructions. Nobody reads the side effects. That paperwork gets thrown away with the bag. I think the doctors should do a better job of making sure people know what they're about to take. Sitting them down and talking with them about it in depth. Getting them to the point where they're damn near too afraid to take the drug. But yeah, I think maybe... Maybe that was what happened. Maybe she was having an interaction. Maybe she went out on a date and uh, it didn't go the way she wanted it to and she realized maybe it's the drugs. There's uh, a million maybes. And unfortunately, we may never know the truth fully. But it is interesting, though, how this case has shaped pop culture. The circumstances of Lamb's death have been compared to plot elements in the 2005 horror film Dark Water. 
In that film, an American remake of an earlier Japanese film of the same name based on a 1996 short uh, by Koji Suzuki, a mother and daughter move into a rundown apartment building. A dysfunctional elevator and discolored water gushing from the building's faucets eventually lead to them lead them to the building's rooftop water tank where they discover the body of a girl who had re- been reported missing from the building a year earlier. The Lamb case has also been used as an inspiration for creative works. Uh, in May 2013, the episode Watershed aired as the year's season finale of ABC series Castle, in which a New York police detective and the title character... Uh, a mystery novelist investigate crimes in watershed the duo pursue leads in the death of a young woman found dead in a rooftop water tank of the cedric hotel in manhattan among the evidence is a surveillance video of a woman taken in an elevator ultimately she is found to have been posing as a sex worker in order to investigate another guest at the hotel Another ABC series, How to Get Away with Murder, had a similar storyline over a series of flashbacks spread out across the first season, which began airing in 2014. It is revealed that a sorority girl missing at the start of the season was murdered and her body had been hidden in a water tank on the roof of the sorority house. Similarly, her body is discovered only when a maintenance worker is called to the house to address a water pressure issue. In Hong Kong, where Lam's family had originated, filmmakers were also inspired by the case. Nick Chung made his directorial debut in 2014 with Hungry Ghost Ritual, a horror thriller that includes a scene in which a ghost terrorizes a young girl in an elevator, shot to look like security cam footage similar to the footage of Lam in the Stay on Main's elevator. In mainland China, director uh, Liu Hao announced a year after Lamb's death that he would be remaking a film based on it, or he would be making a film based on it. He went to Los Angeles himself, stayed for a few days at the Cecil doing research. Chinese media have reported that actress Gao Yunyang uh, may be interested in playing Lamb. In March 2014, a little over a year after Lamb's death, uh, brothers Brandon and Philip Murth Murphy sold a script titled The Bringing that uses the investigation into it as a backstory for a fictional investigation or uh, a fictional investigating detectives uh, slowly unraveling sanity. They were widely criticized for doing this so soon after the death. Danish director Nicholas Winding Riff uh, 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 Renf uh, was originally slated to direct the film, but in August it was announced that Jeremy Loverling would direct the film for Sony Pictures whenever production began. In 2014, uh, a video for a Vancouver pop duo, the Zolas, Ancient Mars, excuse me, hold on, uh, Heartburn is a bitch, uh, Ancient Mars is meant to be an idealized representation of Lamb's last day. Showing a young woman exploring Los Angeles and taking in simple pleasures. It bugged me how tidily people explained away her disper- disappearance with drugs or mental illness. What did I say? It felt like it was too put together. 
uh, said singer Zach Gray, who attended UBC around the same time and had a friend who knew Lamb. Though it's mostly fiction, we wanted people to see it and feel like she was a real person and a familiar girl and not just a police report. Later that year, the American post-hardcore band Hail the Sun wrote Disappearing Syndrome, also inspired by Lamb's story. It's such a chilling and eerie case, said the band's guitarist, uh, Eric Garcia. Um, in 2015, the media speculated that the fifth season of American Horror Story was inspired by Lamb's death. In late spring, creator Ryan Murphy said the next season would be set in a hotel in present-day Los Angeles, he was inspired, he added, by a surveillance video of a young woman who'd got into an elevator at a downtown hotel and was never seen again. He did not use her name, but it is believed he was talking about Lamb. In 2017, Sunkill Moon released the songs Window Sash Waits and Stranger Than Paradise as part of their album Common As Light and Love Are Red Valleys of Blood. The song specifically referenced the event and promote the idea that it was a hoax. Band member Mark Kolzak said in an interview, I've come to the conclusion that nobody died in the water tank. There's no way to identify the girl on the elevator as her face is pixelated. <clears throat> in March 2016, BuzzFeed Unsolved studied the case with hosts Ryan and Brent checking into the hotel to visit locations involved in the mystery. Lamb's case was incorporated into the plot of the 2018 horror film Followed, which shows the elevator footage, but instead has the body being found in the hotel's basement. Her behavior in the elevator was explained in the film as her playing the Korean elevator game, in which pressing buttons in a certain order summons ghosts of people who died in the hotel. The industrial rock band Skinned released a single, Elisa Lamb, in 2018, based on Lamb's case. The music video recreates the elevator security footage. Eek, a postmodern RPG released in February of 2019, had the character Sammy Pack die in a similar way to Lamb, kickstarting the plot of the game. This was criticized by many who found it distasteful. The Discovery Plus show Ghost Adventurers investigated Lamb's death in a two-hour special launched on January 4th, 2021. Finally, on January 13th, 2021, Netflix announced a four-episode docuseries titled Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, which explores Lamb's death, and it premiered on February 10th, 2021. Now, I don't know what happened to this girl. But it is a terrible tragedy. And sometimes, unfortunately, as much as we like to attribute more or more grand ideas to something, sometimes... The simplest answer is often the correct answer. I believe it may have been a psychotic episode. But if you believe in the paranormal and the, the, the way the elevator game was described, maybe 
the uh, previous residents of the Cecil Hotel had something to do with it. Maybe there was someone staying in the hotel that uh, may have had uh, uh, nefarious intent. What is it they say? What's the just statistic? I, I've got to look it up real quick because I, I don't remember. Uh, uh, I don't want to give it away. Give me a second. So, let's see. So, they... Uh, hate when like you ask a simple goddamn question and uh, at any one time there are anywhere between 20 to 50 active serial killers in the US think about that at any given moment there are 25 to 50 active serial killers just in the US so maybe Elisa ran into one of them but I feel like if more bodies were turning up in water towers We'd have heard about it, right? However, often the first kill is sloppy, it's messy, it doesn't fit the, the eventual MO. Um, it's it's they're still learning what their their given flavor, quote unquote, is. So maybe, unfortunately, Elisa ran into one of those individuals and uh, met her demise that way. Again, as I said, there's a million maybes. And we may never get the full story. If we do, it'll be many, many years from now when someone is on their deathbed and they feel like coming clean. And even then, we're going to scrutinize it. And possibly... Possibly write it off as the delusions of uh, a dying individual. But you remember earlier, at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that we're getting ready to start something new. And this... This was one of the uh, litmus tests, this episode. The wife has wanted to do a show for a while. Um, she is big into true crime. I, it takes a special case to catch my interest. However, 
we have decided to start a secondary show. So that means sometime after the, the start of the year, you will start getting multiple episodes a month, more than just the two. Uh, the current idea is is that the week that I am not doing this show, we will have it set up so she can do Cultivad Case Closed. And in it, she'll be going through different true crime stories, and I get to play the role of the audience. I get to listen. I get to I get to be you all. Um I will preface it with saying that my role will be to be the listener and a little bit of color commentary dumb jokes here and there or reactions or, or things like that and it is not because I don't take things seriously um, or that I feel that uh, these cases should be disrespected in any way but this is after all an entertainment show and there has to be a little fucking levity to it otherwise it just begins to feel like a, uh, a, <laughs> a communal depression cycle but Cult of Odd Case Close will be starting after the first of the year. Uh, in it, uh, Sim will be the one presenting. I will be the one reacting and pushing the buttons and making everything go. Um, we will have things that we can put up on screen for you so you can see. Different interaction piece. No. No, I don't want to announce the first case. I want to leave it for them to try and figure out what we're going to do. Well, that brings me to another thing that we're trying to do, too. But this will end up being a, a Patreon thing. Something else starting after the first of the year. We figured give everyone a chance to get through the end of the year. The first of the year, we can start trying to get together. We have another episode uh we have another show that we're going to be bringing to you but this one this one will be on the patreon this one will be called cultivad dead of night now for those of you that are old enough to remember are you afraid of the dark and the midnight society me and my friends are going to get together, and we're going to tell you a ghost story. We're going to try and do it weekly. We'll see how it goes. But we're going to tell you a ghost story. All of us get together in a Discord call. We all mute while the person who is chosen tells us a story. And everyone, every week, brings a story, regardless of whether they've read or not, because you never know when you're going to get called on because someone might not be able to make it. I don't care if you wrote the story yourself, or if you found it on Reddit, or you found it in some dark corner of the internet. 
We're going to tell ghost stories all year. But that'll be available through the Patreon. It'll be a reason to sign up. It'll be extra content. <clears throat> you may also have a reason to sign up for the Patreon, too, um, because there will be a lot of information that comes along with the case closed. And I'm thinking that might be also Patreon-worthy, is you might have access to that show through a certain way. We'll see. I know I definitely want to put uh, Dead of Night up there because I don't think it's something that a lot of people are going to be, you know, wanting in their their normal feeds for uh, Cultivad. It's going to definitely speak to a select few. Cultivad at the beginning of the year will also be diving more into the unexplained, the cryptid, the weird, and the unknown. And there may be times where Cultivad and Case Closed crossover they are after all uh, sharing a brand i hope tonight's episode or this episode i should say because some of you may be listening to it during the day i hope this episode was uh informative and piqued your interest because we have a lot more to offer and we're we're going to try and do bigger and better things for those of you that are unaware november has three wednesdays that we have to broadcast so we will be back in two weeks before the end of november and uh it's a show i wanted to do Whatever happened to Elisa Lamb? The pain and the tragedy and the sorrow that her family has felt is real. Mental illness is no laughing matter. Sure, those of us that have it, we make dark jokes with our friends, but when it comes down to it, we need to take more care more time, and more effort in understanding that most of us are pretty fucked up when it comes to our own thoughts, our own brain chemistry. We need to take the time and to understand and care that our lives are creating more and more mental illness as time goes on. The way we choose to live, the dopamine that we're constantly chasing with these things. We desperately need to rewrite our own stories. We need to make what little time we have left more enjoyable for ourselves 
And that may mean not being constantly plugged in, not constantly on the internet, not constantly doing this, not constantly tethered to our phones, not constantly tethered to electronics or technology. That means making time for um, self-care, wellness checks on our friends, uh, mental health checks on ourselves. You can work and struggle and stress yourself to death. And in the end, the only person you'll have hurt is yourself and your loved ones. And did you know, while I'm thinking of it, because stress keyed me into it, do you know that if a human spends enough time under stress that they will actually damage their brain. So that means all of us here in America with the constant struggles that are put upon us Mostly by the the men and women that we've supposedly elected to be in charge of us. Living through those constant struggles is actually damaging our mental health. The stress that comes with being poor and worrying about where your next meal is going to come from. Or how you're going to pay rent. Or how you're going to pay your electricity. Or how you're going to make it to work even though you only have enough gas to make it to the end of the street. The stress of knowing that uh, all of the hours that you're putting in aren't going to amount to enough money to cover everything that you need. The stress of, of you know, what happens if a loved one gets sick? What happens if my child gets sick? All of that stress that we are all constantly under is killing us mentally, psychologically damaging us. We need to be better. We need to find new outlets. We need to start breaking ourselves free from the dependencies that we have. maybe revert back to some of our older dependencies. Those that like to go out and hike through the woods or go camping, you know, find a way to do that again. Find a way to get back in touch with outside. I know it's difficult because for a lot of uh, areas right now, we're barreling our way into the winter months and you know, those are locked indoors. Um, simulate sunlight. Find ways to compensate. Find ways to make yourself happy. Because no drug, no prescription medication, no man-made thing, ingredient, 
like uh, concoction. There you go. No man-made concoction will ever fix you better than the natural remedies that already exist. And a lot of them are putting yourself first. I know it sounds like hippy-dippy new wave bullshit. I get it. I know how it sounds. The fact of the matter remains, sunlight is the best antidepressant there is. Fresh air, grounding yourself with nature and, and getting away from all the electrical lines and, and electronics and stuff that we cloud our daily lives with. Getting away from all of that That's the only way that we can naturally take care of ourselves. What up, Freddie? I like the idea of be good to yourselves and each other. Jerry Springer would say that at the end of every episode. I remember that because on the days that I faked being sick, I would watch the Jerry Springer show. But it's a solid piece of advice. But I would throw in, go easy on yourselves and go easy on others. Because as the adage says, you have no idea the struggle someone else is fighting. And that's true. I have days where I can hop right out of bed and jump into doing my, my day job and it doesn't bother me whatsoever. I, today was one of those days. I got in, I did my hours, you know, I had a relatively good day, I did my best to help the people that I spoke to, and I just kind of tried to have a fairly positive attitude about uh, what I was doing. And those days help. They also they they help keep the uh, the bad days away because there's a lot of things in life that can cause a bad day and they're easy to find but sometimes and it's hard work and you're not always going to be able to do it but sometimes you got to put in the effort to find what can make it a good day. Even if it's not thinking about the issue that has been stressing you out for a few hours. Like purposely turning your brain off. That's that's why I watch movies. That's why I play video games. It's why I dive into TV shows. It's a way to turn my brain off for a little while. Not, like not completely off. Not duh, drool like I'm in a coma. Um, but I'm not worried about the bills or anything else for 45 minutes to two hours. And I think everybody needs that. As we always say here at the Cult of Odd, come as you are, be who you are. Thank you for joining me for this episode. I hope you enjoy it. I'm grateful for every single one of you that listen. Please share, 
please check out our merch please just just keep being there help keep pushing us further and further and most importantly in the immortal words of the iron sheik good night and go fuck yourselves love you you're amazing thank you for shopping at walmart